Couch Chats is a series of real, open, honest and raw chats with some inspiring friends and women I have had the privilege to meet along my entrepreneurial journey. As well as some solo episodes from me, I hope this podcast can inspire you to always dream big and make it your reality. I am your host, Jess Williamson, a serial entrepreneur and business coach. And today I have Tash Corbin on the podcast. Tash is a business mentor specializing in consent-driven marketing and sales. So she helps people create deeply resonant messaging and offers through getting really clear on their niche and their value proposition first and foremost. So today's podcast episode, we're going to be chatting through biggest mistakes people are making when it comes to their value proposition, her top three tips on making your value proposition more valuable, and also some tips and tricks around niching. But Tash is actually also going to be the guest expert speaker inside of the Dreamers and Doers membership this month, and she will be running a entire masterclass around niche down. So the links will be in the show notes if you would like to get access to that. Otherwise, send me a DM because my DMs are always open over on Instagram at jess.williamson8. If you are enjoying this episode, please make sure you do screenshot it and share it to your social media. Tag myself and also tag Tash Corbin at Tash Corbin so we can both see what you thought of this episode. It is absolutely jam-packed. So let's get into it. Hey, Tash, I am super excited to have you on today's episode of Couch Chats. How are you going? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me here. Good. So you are the absolute expert, queen, whiz, whatever you want to say, at niching and value propositions and really using that in marketing. Yeah, it's something I get really excited about, really passionate about. Yeah, and I'm totally on board with everything you're all about because I have a background in marketing as well and I do think it's super important that you're teaching people really how to utilize that. What I would love to start with is I don't know if you've ever been asked this before but when did you realize that these two things were really one of the core keys to success in business? Yeah it was pretty early actually I always knew when it came to marketing, because I had a marketing background before I started my business, I always knew that whenever I was sharing something, I needed to be really clear on who it was for and who it wasn't for. And then as I started to work with more and more clients, they would come to me for help with how to plan out their content or how to design a program they want to launch, or they would come to me with other parts of their marketing that wasn't working at that point in time. And the conversation just always came back to, niche and message, niche and message. And so I started to see this pattern where people thought they had a marketing strategy problem, but what they actually had was their message and value proposition weren't clear enough or didn't resonate with their audience. So it didn't matter whether they ran a webinar or a challenge or whether they were on Instagram or Facebook or whether they were in groups or had a page. Ultimately, any strategy needs to be built on a strong foundation of niche and value proposition. And so it was pretty quickly that I saw that theme and made sure that that was something I always addressed early in client conversations, as well as started to create content and other ways that I could help people to get clear on theirs. 
Yeah, I think that is so, so valuable. And something that I often talk about with my coaching clients is around everyone's looking for the latest hack. They're looking for the quick way to have a win. And it's like if you've got an illness, taking a Panadol isn't going to solve the problem. You know, it's just going to treat the symptom, whereas people need to come back to the core, which quite often does come down to that messaging. They don't know who they're talking to or what their business is there for, how it can really help. So doing a million different reels or a million different posts online or sending emails or whatever it is, is not going to cut through. It's not going to have that, that message. So that's really, really awesome. Yeah. I think the other thing is that it's why we see so many divergent um, pieces of advice about what marketing strategy works, because at the end of the day, you can get any marketing strategy to work as long as your messaging is really resonant and it speaks to people. So of course there are going to be people saying, no, 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 do five day challenges. They're way better. But ultimately that comes down to the fact that they got their messaging right in that challenge and it spoke to their audience. They knew who their niche was and they were able to really get something to work. So it means that it's like a giant permission slip for us to choose the marketing strategy that actually we feel most excited by, or we feel most drawn towards but just make sure we've got those foundations clear for it. And that means it will be more likely to work for you. Absolutely. Was there a point in your own business where this became apparent? And I know that on your podcast, you've shared a few times where you maybe diverged from this, this path and thought, oh, let me try a few different things. And, you know, you learned those lessons. When was the first time that you sort of like, shit, all right, I've got it now. I've got to stick to my niche and not get distracted by everything else. Yeah, my business started to take off pretty quickly and I was about six months into my business and it was at that point in time that I realized I'd misunderstood value proposition. So actually it might be helpful if we actually define what does value proposition mean. So value proposition is the perceived value of the gap between your clients before and after, but it's through their eyes. And one of the things that I started doing about five or six months into my business, just as it was really taking off, was I started trying to tell my audience what was valuable to them instead of listening to my audience tell me what was valuable to them. And so I started to think I was getting stronger in my value proposition because I was like, you, no, 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 no. You don't need Facebook followers. You need sales. No, 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 no. You don't need blog plans. You need messaging, right? And I started almost like arguing with my audience about what it was that they needed and trying to convince them that what I had to offer was valuable and it was just that they didn't understand, right? It's, no, 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 you don't understand. This is more valuable to you and here's why. And it was at that point in time when things started to stop working and the conversations were drying up and I had a bunch of people say, yeah, that's really nice, but in the meantime, I'm going to go and work with this person who's going to help me get more Facebook followers. Or, yeah, I get what you're saying, but no, I'm going to buy this program on how to get my webinars to convert, right? And people were having these conversations with me and I realized that I'd missed the most important part of value proposition. And that is that the measure of value is not through my eyes, it's through my audience's eyes. And so it really forced me to come back to asking the question, what is the transformation that my audience wants and is valuable to them? And how can I ensure that my offer 
actually meets that need and delivers on that value. Yeah. So it was definitely one of the big learning points. I've also had a lot of times in my business where I get really excited and unniche something. Oh, it could be for this people and these people. But I'm very quick to come back to my niche because I see the shift, not just in my results, but it's harder for me to write about my work when I'm not being specific to my niche. I get lots of ands, ors, and slashes in my copy, and I know that I've unniched myself accidentally. That's a good one to, yeah, that's a good symptom to look out for. I've probably got a fair few slashes in my copy, so I've probably got to go have a look at that. That's really, really awesome. So why, now we've touched on a little bit, but what is the main, main reason that you think people really need to nail this value proposition before they go and do all of their copy and their website and their sales and all of these other things. What is the main, main reason for this? And obviously it's going to help them with their conversions and their business goals, but what would you say is the main reason for a value proposition? Yeah, I think it is just the bottom line that people won't buy something unless they think it's valuable to them. You can have the most amazing product, but if I don't think it's valuable to me and it won't help me achieve my goal or solve a problem I have, there's no amount of discount or bonuses or testimonials from celebrities that is going to convince me to buy it. And ultimately, there are some ways that in the past or in some of the more masculine aligned marketing strategies, you might have tried to improve your value proposition in the past, but they don't necessarily work as well as just getting really clear on what is it that your audience values in that transformation and aligning your message to that transformation. So for me, it's just that bottom line of people won't buy something if they don't think it's valuable to them. Yeah. <laughs> Simple as that. Yeah, absolutely. So now we know why we need it. Can you share with us how people can really discover that? Because I feel like people often get the gist of these kind of things. You're like, yep, 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 got it. And then they go back and they're like, their mind is blank. They're like, how do I even put this into words. How do I figure out my value proposition? I know roundabouts, but I can say it in a thousand words, not 10, you know? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the best way to teach how to do value proposition is to just clear the decks of some of the old ways and how not to do value proposition first. So a couple of things that don't actually improve your value proposition the way you think that they might. Number one is adding a bunch of bonuses. So in the past, you may have seen this recommended, you know, have six bonuses and some of them are limited time and all of those sorts of things. But especially if it's a group program or even if it's working with you as a VIP client, more things in your product actually equals more work, especially in service-based businesses or knowledge-based businesses. It's different if you're selling candles and the bonus is you get extra product, but when it comes to a course or a program or a membership or a VIP package with you, actually those six bonuses are telling me the pathway from me to get from where I am to where I want to be actually has more work in it than just the program. I also have to listen to these expert interviews and I also have to go and watch this other masterclass and I also have to go and do this. So for most products and services, more things 
doesn't equal more value to your audience. It just equals more work. So that's one way not to improve your value proposition. Another one is you may have seen this on sales pages before where it says, this is valued at $9,995. And then this part is valued at $1,500. And then this part is valued at $2,000. And so you inflate the value and then you say, but you get it all for $597. Actually, in most cases, the way that that's done in Australia, that's illegal under the ACCC standards, but also it's not necessarily an ethical sales strategy because you didn't sell that thing for $10,000 before and now it just happens to be discounted. You are inflating the perceived value by just putting a random price tag on it. And I think people are pretty wise to those like overinflated prices these days. So those types of things. Also, another one is the fake scarcity. Like it's closing in three days and then it gets extended for another three days. And then you go back in a month's time and it's still actually the same price or it's limited to five places. And then, oh no, popular demand. Now there's another five places, all of that kind of stuff. For me, it's just not aligned with how I want to show up. And it doesn't necessarily increase the value proposition. The three things that increase your value proposition way more effectively, and for me are so much more aligned with my values, are number one is get hyper-specific about your niche. Because the more your product or service is developed specifically with my lived experience in mind, the more valuable I'm going to perceive it to be. So a great example of this is let's say you're a feng shui expert and you want to offer feng shui for shops. If I own a shop and I see there's two feng shui practitioners I can work with, there's one who specifically does feng shui for shops to make them aligned to bringing in high quality customers and lots of money. And there's another feng shui practitioner who does all the feng shui. Which one do I think is going to be specifically for me and is going to be more valuable to me? And also, who would I pay the most money to? So by getting really specific about who your product is for, you actually make the perceived value of that product higher for your ideal client. But that is number one, is to niche. Number two is to map out that value proposition step-by-step. So even though for most people, I will say, well, what's your value proposition? They will tell me a bunch of sort of random things when they know what the definition of value proposition is. It's the gap between the before and after and why it's valuable to your client, but they've never actually written it down. So the simplest way to write down your value proposition is to write down like in columns, before, this is what my client experiences. After, this is what my client experiences. And then the column that everyone misses out is, why is each of those points of the after important to my niche? So it's not just what is life like before and after, but the part that makes it valuable to your niche is, and why is this important to me? So that's the second one is actually literally put the three columns on a piece of paper and fill it in before, after, why that's important. And then the third way to improve your value proposition is to align what you offer to your client's existing priorities. So it's not about trying to convince people to change the way that they prioritize things in their life, because it's very difficult to get people to change their default priorities. But 
find ways to align the transformation you facilitate to what I automatically prioritize when it comes to the crunch. And I've got a really good example of this one for me. And that is, I saw a bunch of stuff around improving your relationship with your father, right? Like I've had some daddy issues growing up and I work with a bunch of different healers and modalities. And I love following people around in personal development spaces and doing any kind of work around my relationship with my father just kept getting put to the bottom of the list. It was like, yeah, I I get it. You know, it'd be nice to work on that. I know that's something that's baggage that I'm carrying around. I really need to work on this. And then one day I saw this kinesiology practitioner that I follow and she talked about how healing your relationship with your father is one of the most powerful ways to heal your relationship with money and the masculine and bringing in income. And I was like, I am sold. Take my money, right? Like, because my priority was around growing my business and making money. That was what I was focused on at that point in time. And her work perfectly aligned with my existing priority. She didn't try and move, heal your relationship with your father to the top of the list just on its own. She linked doing that work with what I was prioritizing. And all of a sudden it was a no brainer for me to get to work on that. So it was a really cool example of aligning to my priority instead of trying to change my priority. Absolutely. What would you say for people who possibly have so many different directions, right? So if we just go back to that feng shui practitioner, yes, they could do homes. Yes, they could do offices. They could do shops. You know, yeah, they're skilled in all of those things and could get great results. What would you say to someone that then needs to possibly choose which value proposition to go with then because then they feel like sometimes I might like to do homes or sometimes I might like to do this and that. So what would you say to people who are sort of in that position? Yeah, absolutely. So number one, your niching is just for now, it's not forever. So the most important time for you to be hyper-specific with your niche is when you're first starting to grow and you're wanting to create that organic growth snowball. Your marketing budget is smaller than, you know, in years to come when you might have a larger marketing budget. So as your business grows and your marketing budget becomes bigger, you can unniche if you want to, right? So seeing it as a temporary niche for a lot of people helps them to overcome that resistance. And like I, do this when I'm running my five-day challenges. I'm like, just for the next five days, I just want you to be niche just for five days. Just see what it's like when you have a niche versus when you don't have a niche. And it's better to niche with the wrong niche because you'll instantly know that it's the wrong niche than to stay unniched trying to find the perfect one. So just a temporary thing and you don't have to commit to it forever. Number two, the minute you niche down, you will have those gold nugget clients who aren't necessarily right inside the niche. They will reach out to you and say, oh, I've seen that you're specializing this. Could you also help me with that? And it's at that point in time, you get to decide whether you want to help them or not. Just because you take on a client who isn't necessarily in your niche doesn't mean you then go and change and update your website to reflect that niche. So I specifically work with online service-based businesses and I once had a photography studio get in touch with me and say, could you do our email funnels? Because we love what you do. And it was a brick and mortar business and it was nowhere inside my niche whatsoever, this giant company. 
And I was like, sure, it's 25 grand. And they went, yep, no worries. That didn't mean that I then had to go and change all of my messaging and all of my website to say, oh, also, if you have a brick and mortar business and you want me to do your funnels, I could do that for you as well. Like I didn't need to do that. I was allowed to say yes or no to that client. But if I keep my message really specific and really niche, I'm going to continue to see that organic snowball growth and I don't have to unniche myself just to say yes to that client who doesn't necessarily fit. Absolutely. I think people put so much pressure on themselves with any decision, you know, these days. And I remember back when I was hating my full-time job and I always thought, I put all this pressure on myself that this was the decision I was making for the rest of my life. Like, do I want to quit my job and do this business for the rest of my life? And I think so many people get stuck in that. And I stuck with it for a year, hating life until I switched up their mindset. And I was like, actually, I could just get a different job. Like I'll work at McDonald's or whatever. If the business doesn't work, I'll get a different job. It's not the end of the world. And I think that's very much the same with yours. You know, give it a go. If it doesn't work, now you've learned what doesn't work and you can try something else. And, you know, even if we look at the biggest people like Tony Robbins or all of these kind of people, they start with one topic, like teaching mindset. And then now he's doing relationships and business and all of these other things. So yeah, I think it's awesome that you've shared that you can change the niche if it's not working for you. If you, you know, as human beings, our interests change as well. And we go on our own journey and path and maybe we get upskilled in something new and we find a real passion in that. So I think that's super, super valuable that you've shared that. Mm, I love it. I love it. I get really excited talking about niche and I, I have like a lot of different ways you can cut a niche as well. Like it doesn't necessarily need to be on a topic because then you feel like you're boxed into talking about one topic forever. But instead, you niche based on the person. So who exactly is it that this is for and how does this particular service help them? So it creates a little bit more flexibility in the services that you offer, but your messaging stays really narrow and clear for people. So, yeah, I think that there are a lot of misconceptions about what niching involves or the commitment that's involved with niching. But at the end of the day, it's just finding a way to help you narrow down your messaging and value proposition so that people see it as valuable to them specifically, you start to create those sales and that momentum. And then you can explore other things from a really solid foundation of income, stability, predictability in your business, rather than starting over again and again and again, and just always feeling like you're back at square one, trying to decide on how to get this business off the ground. Yeah, Mm, absolutely. Well, I think we've jam-packed so much value in here. You've gone through the mistakes people are making when it comes to value propositions, some amazing tips and some advice around niching, which I am super excited that you're going to be joining us as an expert inside of the Dreamers and Doers membership to actually teach the members how to find their niche, how to really map that out. And they're going to go away with hopefully much more clarity on what exactly their niche is. But I know that everyone listening to this podcast has hopefully taken away so much already. I'm going to go and check all the slashes in my copy right now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, thank you so much, Tash, for joining me. Before we wrap up, 
I would love it if you could share one key tip or one key takeaway, whether it's about niching, whether it's about life, whether it's whatever you want, what would be one lesson that has made the biggest difference through your journey? I would say the biggest one for me is embracing imperfect action and knowing that an imperfect placeholder is always going to do better for you than nothing at all. And so throughout my business, I think when I first started, I really didn't want anyone to see me try to start a business. I just wanted people to see me succeed in starting a business. So for a wee while, I was a bit resistant to sharing things. Or if I asked a question on social media, I didn't get answers within a few hours. I would delete the post because I didn't want anyone to see me ask a question and no one in my audience answered. But like your audience will never be as small as it is today. And so now is the time for you to get out there and practice and get some imperfect things out there because you have a nice tiny little audience that aren't really judging you. And that imperfect action is what creates the momentum for you to be able to create that success. Not one thing I have ever done in my business that's been successful was created just on theory in my head. It was all tested with other human beings and with my audience in order to refine it to the thing that ultimately was successful. And so just get out there and take some action and try some things and be willing to experiment because at the end of the day, your job as an entrepreneur is not to do everything perfectly the first time around. It's actually to get out there and make a bunch of mistakes as quickly as possible so you know what to do next time. Absolutely. I love that line that you said, your audience will never be as small as it is today. Even if you change niche, you you change things up, it's always growing. So that's a huge mindset reframe as it is. It's only up from here. So thank you so much, Tash, for joining me today on the podcast. Where can everyone find out more about you after this? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. I'm at Tash Corbin there. And uh, my website is tashcorbin.com. So I'm pretty easy to find online. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, Google's always great. Yes. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thanks so much for joining me and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. You too. Bye for now. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I think it is super, super valuable to get your foundations right in business before you go and do all of your marketing and and put a lot of time and energy into things. And that is what I'm all about. So it was an absolute pleasure having Tash on the podcast and really getting to share her perspective on this as well. If you did enjoy this, please make sure you leave a review hit subscribe and share this to your social media because if you got something out of it, I'm sure someone else that you know might also get something out of it as well. So make sure you're passing on all of the good vibes, all of the value and sharing that with your friends and community. So have an amazing week and I will speak to you next time.